Welcome to Palms Church. I'm Brandon Shank. I'm the lead pastor here, and I wanted to take a minute and thank you for being with us today. Hey, if you're new, text the words Palms Connect to 97000. I'm believing with you for God to do great things today. Well, welcome to Christmas Eve at Palms Church. I'm Brandon Shank. I'm the lead pastor, and it is our honor to have you with us and your families. Thank you for taking your time to be here this evening and all of you online. Can you welcome all of our online, all those that are watching all over the world? Welcome. We love you guys so, so much. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this Christmas Eve. You may be seated. I'm so excited to be a part of what God is doing. I'm so excited for tonight. I don't know how intense some of y'all in your homes, if you're making fake tracks in snow that we don't have for Santa's sleigh, or I had a, or, you know, I even, I went, I'll go as far, I had a teacher in high school that, uh, I mean, they went all out. They had like, they had uh, bells, dude was on the roof making noise. I was like, man, y'all are intense. And your kids are probably deeply scarred from thinking Santa was straight up breaking in y'all's house. As a kid, no kid wants to hear that. No kid wants to hear a sleigh on the roof. Come on. Now, if y'all do that, I can give you my address because I would like that. those theatrics. It'd be wonderful. I'm going to read a story to you that most of you may know. It's a story of Jesus. To that, the title of tonight's message is called Moments. I love moments. I love good moments. I love fun moments. I love romantic moments. I like scary moments if they end up in fun. I don't like scary moments that are never fun, but I like scary moments that end up you can laugh about years later. I think it's most of us, most of our scary moments you can laugh about years later. You may not want to laugh about them or everybody else wants to laugh about your scary moments. But moments, Luke chapter two, verse one. This is a story of Jesus. And it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Everybody in here knows to be pledged to be married and not yet married and be expecting a child and it ain't yours. Never a good recipe for long-term success, right? Joseph went through his own fight. He went through his own struggle to get to the place where he was willing to marry. Mary, because an angel appeared to him and said, hey, Joseph, this is conceived by the Holy Spirit. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Everybody say all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them, he'd gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. But when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. How many of y'all know there's just something different about being a mom? I don't say that because I'm a mom. I'm saying that because I have a wife that has four boys. 
And there's just something different with a mom and the connection to her kids. There you can't fabricate it. You can't try to duplicate it. You can't try to imitate it. Me and my boys, it's a different relationship. I love them. I will put them in a headlock in a hurry, toss them out the door, give them a kiss, and kick them in their butt. It don't matter. But my wife, she'll do those same things, but she just has a different connection than I do. You know, no matter how hard I try, and I think it's interesting to say Mary pondered these things. It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray, Lord, I need you. God, we pray that right now you would just help us to see what it is, this picture you're painting for us. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to come to, the, to die on the cross for our sins, and we start here at Christmas because we know it ends at Easter. And God, we just take this moment and we say thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for everybody in the story, the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, all the people who had played a part. But God, we thank you tonight that you loved us enough to send us your only son, the only one that would carry your last name you sent to die for us. And for that, we are forever grateful. We stand here tonight full of peace and joy and promise in a future because you've promised us that you'll never leave us or forsake us. We stand here tonight celebrating, not because it's Christmas Eve, but because we know what takes place that we celebrate tonight is with us. It was with us before we got here, and it'll be with us tomorrow. We love you. And everybody said, amen. I don't know about y'all, but there's something therapeutic about specific things. My kids, I don't know if it was a year of being online uh, school, but they have these, the poppets, and they got stress balls. on. My boys actually asked, can we get some uh, stress items? I don't know exactly, do you remember what they called them? Fidgets. I said, fidgets? What do you all mean, fidgets? Because you all are on screens all the time? They're like, no, I need fidgets. I was like, what is a fidget? Like, they got their little, little poppers and little stress balls. And I'm like, man, you all act like you're 48-year-old bankers. They're pushing mortgages through. You're in third grade, bro. Like, what are you fidgeting about? Like, sit your butt down and do your work, you know? I mean, fidget. You know what we do? We, you fidget in school. Yeah, you end up, you get that little detention. That's what you get. So, y'all, you just tighten up, bro. Put the phone away. Stop fidgeting. And I don't even, y'all get to take full water bottles of school. We got, like, three breaks a day. You go get your water fountain. You're, like, trying to lap it like a dog. You can't get the water out of the water fountain. It barely goes over. Every one of us kissed water fountains our entire childhood, and we're still standing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like, blah, 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 and you're like, this tastes disgusting. But you either do that or dehydrate before you get home to your mom. Kids, I'm like, man, you don't know how good you got it. You have no idea how good you have it. They don't have the slightest. But there's something therapeutic about one of these good old globes. Now, this one is from the Lord. It's actually a Santa with, uh, we'll call it the Washington football team logo. But it's not. It's former. I'll cover it up. I, don't, I really don't want to be offensive, but this is the only snow globe we had, okay? So this is Santa. But when you watch these, I think sometimes in our life, it's nice to slow down. Now, I'm not one of these guys. You're, this is a message that is preaching to myself. I don't like to slow down. I like fast. And when fast isn't good enough, I like faster, right? My wife has taught me how to sit back, relax, kick my feet up, and watch a movie. I like it now, but I'm good for one, then it's time to go do something. I don't, I'm thinking the world is passing us by. There is things to do. People are dying. We got to go save them. Let's get up off the couch. I know it's 2 in the morning, but we got hours before the kids wake up, right? But sometimes you just got to, but is it, is it just me or is that therapeutic? Because Santa's in a Washington football team sleigh. It is something about it. Thank you, Jesus. The water's a little murky, but the snow looks good. It's, he's, he's flying through some fog. We'll give him that. I mean, you, this, this is a little... But just slow down. Sometimes you just look at it like, wow, it does something. You know, as adults, when you play with kids' toys, you ever get mesmerized? You're like, oh, my gosh, I hope nobody saw me doing that, right? 
It's not about slowing down. The interesting thing about this story, I think when I read it, is there's parts of Scripture where God's like, hey, just hit the brakes real quick, and I want you to sit on this. And you're like, well, it's half of a verse. And the part of this story that I just can't seem to get out of my mind is really the snow globe part where you just feel like there was a moment that was captured, and you're just watching it from the outside. And you can almost jump into the text and really feel what they were feeling. And it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, And it's almost laughable when you really think about what happened. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, or her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And then it goes on in the text. Now, all of you mothers in here, or fathers that witnessed a birth, you know that it is more than a verse worth of intensity that should be labeled in scripture. You know what I mean? And so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, we got all this stuff going on. Mary, she's pregnant. It was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph had some issues. There's emotional trauma. He was trying to make it right, but then an angel came to Joseph, and he said, okay, I'll marry, I'll marry Mary. We got to go all the way to Bethlehem on this long trek, and she's going to have to you know, ride this donkey. And when we get there, we're going to find a place. And they found a place. I mean, I know we like the feeling that they ran, sprinted to the, the guest or the hotel, and didn't have anything, so they jumped in the cave. That's probably not the case. They probably were there for a little bit. And then it says, because time came, which really makes you think they probably were there. And so he gets into this, this concept where now Joseph and Mary are getting ready to have this baby, and people say, were they the only ones there? Probably not. It was customary for midwives to deliver babies. You're saying, you're adding to scripture. No, let's talk about culture, all right? Culturally, the husbands didn't deliver the babies. So if they were there for any amount of time, Joseph would have known of somebody. His family was from there, or even connected to somebody who said, my wife is having a baby. Go get the midwife. It was Bethlehem. It wasn't New York City, all right? So there was midwives around, and so most likely there was a midwife or more, and they were sitting there. They're delivering the baby when the baby came, they would have left, and it would have been Joseph and Mary and this baby. There's this concept. Any of you who've had children, you know that it's worth more than a verse. But people who've had children, when you read that verse, it means a little something different to you because it's kind of like Metallica playing at the loudest decibels it can be. And then all of a sudden, it just shuts off, and you're left with this baby in your arms. You're like, <laughs> what just happened? And I have with our first one, Caden. I got four boys, Caden, Rylan, Makai, and Asher. And Caden is our 11-year-old. And we lived out in Missouri at the time, and so our families all lived on the East Coast. And so when Caden came, he was a couple of days late, and we get into the hospital. They're like, hey, we're going to induce you uh, because the baby, she, there was, you know, I'm not going to get into lingo for those of you who aren't yet there, especially you fellas that ain't worth the time on Christmas Eve <laughs> to mar the things you may become later. So for, <laughs> the baby came, and we were only in the hospital for like six hours. The baby was there, maybe less than that. I don't know. I think there was the longest labor that my wife ever had. In fact, when we, the further we got down the line, they were like, you're going to have to induce her or she's going to deliver at home. I said, no, she's not. I said, because <laughs> if, if that happens, send two ambulances, one for her, one for me, because your boy is going to be, you know, <laughs> gone. So the day Caden was born, I remember I told my wife, she goes, are you going to cut the cord? Like it's some intimate, sweet thing. I don't want to disconnect the baby from his only life he's ever known. It's not that sexy to me. No, I don't. I don't want to cut the cord. I don't want to see the cord. I don't want to smell it or him. I just want to sit here, look you in the eyes. And when this is over and he's washed, I'll pucker up. But no. Nah. I said, man, I, I, I ain't messing with that. I said, I did my job. We're paying him good money to do his. That's <laughs> exactly what I told her. She's like, well, okay then. I was like, yeah, that's right. Ride or die, son. So this whole process goes where 
they're like, okay, well, here comes the baby. And they have this, I feel like we're on a rescue mission because there's this giant light. I'm holding on to my wife and we're both looking up at this light and it's this giant light shining upon us. It's like either the presence of God or they got really good lights in this hospital and they're birthing this baby. She's pushing. I'm like, baby, you got this. Baby, you got, yeah, you got this. And we're she, hey, keep going. And me and this other nurse, she's like, hold her hand. Hold on. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. You know? <laughs> Y'all laugh. My wife would tell you this dude is really what he's saying. He's nuts. He's nuts. And so we're sitting there, and the other nurse is over, kind of preparing a little area for Caden when he pops right out. <laughs> it's a stupid dad would say something like that. He pops right out. And the doctor is sitting there, and the baby comes out, and there's a nurse, and she's over preparing the little bag, so you got to put him up there and wipe him off and get him weighed and all this. And the other nurse is holding a leg, and, I was, and he comes out, and he's, he pulls the baby out, and there's nothing like seeing your child for the first time. There's nothing like it. Every time I've cried. And she makes fun of me. I was like, you have no idea what it's like because your heart partially incapacitated. I'm there, full. <laughs> You're always like, baby, good job. Oh, my gosh. We did it. We made that. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm holding, and we're doing all these things, and the doctor pulls the baby out, and he's got the scissors. I don't know what you call them. If you're a doctor, you know, but they're sharp objects that cut cords, and they're hanging from his finger, dangling. And he pulls the baby out, and he said, hey, can you help me out and cut this? And I'm thinking, bro, you got the wrong guy, but you know what happened? Y'all know what happened. This is my son. I'm a grown man. I got to step in right now. If I don't do this, his life depends on me stepping into the first moment of his life. The nurse is over there preparing a table. (laughs) This one's over here talking to my wife. And the doctor needs somebody in this moment to step in and change the future of Caden Shank. And so I go to him. I said, bro, you got this. I take that thing and I... (laughs) 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 Y'all... It's alive. <laughs> the process is very different. It isn't a matter of moments. They wipe the baby off. Everything is cleaned out. I feel like we cut the cord. The baby was rushed over to the side, wiped off. Everything. Oh, that's great. Look at the pals. Wow, he's little. It's like, yeah, we, Shanks, we come out little and we end up big, baby. You know, he's little. And then they, before I knew it, the lights were off. The room was dimmed, and my wife and I were sitting there, and she was holding our child. It felt like that, and I looked at her like, what just happened? All the parents, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know why they set it up like you're going to Roost Chris as soon as the baby comes out, but I felt like taking a bath, and I didn't even have a baby. It's that intimate moment, and that is what scripture builds up to, to this point. It's saying the time came, the midwives were there, they delivered, that's not important. But then there was Joseph and Mary, and there's the moment where it's just Jesus. The only thing they had was the moon and the stars and the Son of God in their arms. You imagine what her process was like, riding on that donkey, to finally get to where you thought you were going to be helped and not to be pushed into a place that wasn't sterile. And the only light you had was from the very creation of the thing that you're holding. I mean, can you imagine the intensity of this moment? That's what we celebrate tonight. That's why we're here. Because I believe God can meet you in this room on this night the same way that Jesus met Mary and Joseph that night. I believe the intimacy is the same. Scripture teaches us that you can have that same connection. 
as they did that night. In fact, the shepherds, poor fellas, they were out doing their thing, and these angels, whoa, oh, Henry, you see that? Mm -mm. (laughs) No, I do not. I do not see that. But he said, no, man, y'all aren't the ones that they picked to come, and Jesus picks you because he knows you're the outcasts. So he's got something he wants to show you first. God has something he wants to show you, and I love what it says in verse 16. So the shepherds, it says, so they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. Imagine this greatest gift that God's ever given anybody in humanity was this intimacy with Jesus before mankind got to touch him. You know what it's like when you have that baby, you don't really care if they're wiped off or not. There's a smell There's a smell about a baby that's just endearing. Their skin is so soft and it's unbelievably soft. And to hold them, some of you are like, bro, you're killing me. My wife wants another baby and you are killing me right now. Don't do it. Be strong. I'm just kidding. Everybody says, you want a girl? I say, bro, I don't want another kid. I got four. I don't care if it's a girl, a boy. I don't want another kid. I love the four I got. No, I do not. So I can tell these stories and reminisce, but I have zero desire But it's because those intimate moments, I remember how sweet they were, and I remember what they felt like. But imagine what that was like for Mary and Joseph to touch Jesus, to sing that lullaby, to see those beautiful little eyes at the first time look up at his mom and dad and make a connection. That was the son of God. That was the king of all kings. That was the great I am. That's the one that men would never be able to explain. That's the one that would one day down a cross and be resurrected as a man. I mean, when you think about the concept of what scripture is trying to teach us, it's an intimate moment that is going to change all of history. But it shows me something. Because when you think about it, and you think back to those of you who do have kids and you had those moments, or those of you who don't have kids and maybe you've had intimate moments with your husband, your wife, or somebody in your life where you've been in a moment or you felt God, I think there's something for all of us. When you think about what we've been through in the last year and a half, and you think about the confusion in our country and the confusion in the world, just with everything going on, we're just, nobody's really sure about anything anymore. There's a presence of God that I'm telling you is more real than the ground you're walking on. And what scripture is teaching me more than anything this Christmas is that we need a moment. Every single one of us needs a moment with God. We need a breakthrough moment with God where we know we are sitting there with the king and we are just as much full of his attention as Mary and Joseph were the night that he was born. We need this moment in our lives. You see, the reason that people don't believe in God isn't because he hasn't been present. It's because they refuse to believe that that was him. It's because they refuse to believe that he was in that moment. It's because they refuse to believe that his hand was on them. It's because they refuse to believe that he is everything he says he was. I think we just need to take a deep breath sometimes. Just breathe deep. Sorry, God, I want to do what you've called me to do. I'm not really sure what this looks like. In 2011, my wife and I had just moved back from Missouri. Actually, Caden was the only kid we had. And it was the fall of 2011, and we moved in with my in-laws. And I was running as fast as I could from my calling, as fast as I could away from pastoring a church. I was sprinting as fast as your boy could run at 5'9". I mean, I'm an incredible athlete, so I was running fast. I'm a high-level athlete. I don't know why that's funny. Y'all are rude, man. Just straight up rude. (laughs) Running fast from my calling. In 2011, that fall, 
I got a job at a place called The Inn at Little Washington. It's a bed and breakfast, a five-star, three Michelin stars, uh, the, the highest-rated restaurant within an hour and a half of D.C., um, just the, the top of the top, incredible, uh, incredible food, incredible place. And as I was on my way there, I remember the day that I was driving there, I had gotten the job, and I was on my way, and they were trying to put me in different things. I said, no, I want a valet. They said, why do you want a valet so bad? I said, because of Bentleys, Ferraris, Lamborghini. It is complete self. I just want to drive some nice cars this season of my life. And I was on my way to the end at Little Washington, and I remember I was listening to this uh, amazing worship leader named Adele, and she has a song called Hometown. And I was, I was listening to this song, and I just start weeping. And I'm listening to this song, and I'm weeping. And God speaks to me. I was running as fast as I could away, not from him. I just didn't want to do this, not because I don't love you, but because I had things in my life. I needed moments with God where he showed me what he was and not what I thought he was. I needed moments in my life with God where it was just me and him under the stars where I let him connect with my heart. And it scares me to think if I ran from what he had for me in my life because it is the most rewarding, overwhelming. There's nothing better in the world than being able to lead people to Jesus. I love what I get to do. This is the greatest honor of my life is to stand in front of you week in and week out and preach the gospel and to lead you and your families closer to Jesus and to fight for you when you're struggling and to, 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 to fight for you when you don't know that the next road may be, to know that God does and to be able to be the mediator at times and just help you see him. You don't need me to talk to him, but I'm sure glad that you give me the opportunity to speak into your life. It's the greatest thing in the world. I love what we get to do. And to think I could have missed that is terrifying. And I was driving there and I have one child and we're living in the basement of my in-laws and God spoke to me. He said, I'm going to use you here. And I didn't mistake that as this is what I had for you. But what he says is I'm going to use you here. And what he was really telling me is Brandon, anything you give me, I'm willing to take because I love you. And it's not about what you're going to do for me. It's about what I've called and created in you and I will do with it whatever you give me. It wasn't about this thing that he wanted me to do, this thing he wanted me to build or lead. He was saying, I just want you. And that moment changed my life. Because my whole life I thought, well, he's just using me to get what he can from me. And God was saying, you got this thing mixed up. And I realized I needed a moment with Jesus. A lot of you deal with fear, depression, anxiety, overwhelming stress. There's things in some of, some of y'all's lives that just seem... There's things in every one of our lives that seems overwhelming. There's things in every one of our lives that just seems like tomorrow is not going to be better than today. For some of you, you've developed this habit in the last maybe year, two, three years. Maybe you, if you don't get enough of that alcohol, you can't make it through your day. For some of you, if you don't get enough of that ganja, you can't make it through your day. For some of you, if you can't get to that, that place, uh, those addictions, you don't know how you're going to make it through your day. And it's not because you're an awful person. It's because you're medicating a hole in your spirit that only God can fill. He wants you, and he wants all of you, and he will do in your life what only he can do, but you've got to trust him with the moment. You've got to trust him with the things. You've got to trust him with the things that don't make sense. You've got to trust him with the things that hurt, because I promise you, you need a moment. We all need a moment, because you deserve it. Listen, life has been crazy, and sometimes you just need to shake it up and just watch Santa on his Washington football team sled, and that snow come down and say, man, God, that's what the presence of God does. You get into it and you feel like life is crazy and everybody's going 100 miles an hour and the finances don't look good and your kids are going crazy. You're not sure if you want to do this with them or do this with them. You're not sure if you and your wife are connected and you just stop and you just, oh. and this is easy. I just need to chill for a minute. That's kind of what the spirit does in your life. You just, hey, 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 hey. It's okay. I got you, man. Just take a deep breath. Come here, sit down. Let me spend a moment with you. Let me spend a moment, it'll change everything. 
This is the thing about moments. Is God wants to be with you in the moment. God wants that. He wants that moment with you. He wants that intimacy with you. It's okay just to shake it up and to say, hey, I'm expecting for God to do great things, but I just, I need to breathe for a minute. This Christmas Eve is about you as much as it's about him. We come together and it's easy to say, what's well, all about Jesus? It's all about his goodness. That's true. But to him, it's about you. It's about your pain. It's about your hurt. It's about your confusion. It's about the darkness. It's about those nights where you cry yourself to sleep. It's about the, the marriages that didn't work. It's about the addictions that are overwhelming your life. It's about the thoughts and the concepts and the things you just can't seem to get straight. It's about the way your life looks different than you thought it would look. That's what it's about to him. Saying, hey, come to me. And that intimacy that Mary and Joseph had, that moment is the same one that I could have with you. Just open up your heart. Let me do it. He loves you. I think we forget that. You know how much you are loved by God? He has never had a thought about you that's been ashamed. He has never had a thought about you that he wishes he hadn't made you. The Bible says there is no shame or condemnation in Christ Jesus. He's never had a disappointing thought about your life. You say, we don't understand what I did. He does, and he doesn't look at you like you're your junk or garbage. He looks at you like, whoa, whoa, that's my kid. They don't have to be perfect, but dad is here, and I want to take him to a moment that only I can. I want to take him somewhere that only I can take him. In Luke chapter 4, and Jesus grows up, Jesus goes and he starts preaching. Because I want to tell you the how. So I think you're, you're hearing, I can tell you're right with me. You're in it. But you say, well, okay, well, how do I do that? Just like pray or like what is it in my mindset? What's keeping me from that? I'm glad you asked. This is what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. I love it. He, was, <laughs> he went back to the place he was brought up so that he could go into something and stand up and begin to proclaim the gospel. And it says, in the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And this is a prophecy in Isaiah 61, prophesying about him. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Everybody say freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Say free, free. to proclaim. Everybody say shout. The year of the Lord's favor. You see, what do I have to do to get from this place to this place? This is where on Christmas, a lot of us, we, we are genuine and we are heartfelt. And we look at Jesus as this beautiful little child that was born to Mary and Joseph. But the thing we have to do if we want to have those moments is we have to learn how to look at God, not as the baby in the manger, but as the man. Not as something that's in this little holding box because what happens is when you need help, you go back to the manger, not realizing that the omnipresent help of a mighty God is already with you. So you feel like you have to go back to somewhere to get his help when you don't realize he's already there. 
You go to get healed. Instead of being the healer, you go back to this place and you go back to the church every now and then to see, well, is God going to help me? You don't take him out of the manger and realize he's a man who died and bled and preached a powerful gospel and walked as a man's man under the authority of a living God. And he resurrected and he's the only God that has ever resurrected and continues to live today. That's a reason to celebrate on a Christmas Eve. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a live God. Come on, somebody. We serve a God who is truly walking. When you have him in the manger, you forget that he is a powerful man of God. He's a powerful entity, fully man and fully God. We miss it. I'm asking you, you want to say, well, how do I do this? It's very simple. Do something about it. That's as spiritual as it gets. Do something about it. Step up. Own it for your family. Own it for your kids. Own it for yourself. If you're a kid, own it for yourself. And realize, man, I need God to move in my life. I need a moment. I'm sick and tired of the toil and the frustration and the hurt and the pain and the things that continually overwhelm me. You've got to move from the place where you go back to God when you need him to realize he's already here. He's with you. He's powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's the great I am. He is our provider and our security and our protector. He's the biggest of the big and the best of the best. His name is Jesus, and he still is. And when you realize that, everything changes. Because, see, with kids, you can dominate them physically. Unfortunately, it happens. But when those kids become men and women, things change. That's why what you raise is so important. Because they're going to become something with real heart and real thoughts and real powers and real real, real authority, real passion. And what the Bible is telling us is, listen, God has something great for you. But you can't keep him in that little, that tiny little crib hoping that he can move mountains. He could, but he's not in there. He's a man. He's fully God. I love what Isaiah chapter 9 says. It's a prophecy from Isaiah, and it's talking about these things. And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress. There'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress. And in verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Oh, those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Why? Because that little baby, whenever everything went away and the midwives left and it was just the moon and the stars and Mary and Joseph, they were having that intimacy with Jesus and the lights were dimmed and they had that moment that God gave them with the son of God before the world got it. And it changed everything. It changed perspective. It changed problems. It changed pain. And you have one job. That's it. You say, well, I got to do something about it. What I do? You got to let God in. You got to let him in. What does that mean? It means you tell him the things you don't want to tell anybody else. It means you share with him the parts of your heart you don't fully understand. It means you get into the word. We pray about things all the time that God's already written in this little book here called the Bible. We pray about things all the time. And God's like, just read my word. Maybe you're here. I don't even know where to start, Brandon. Pick this up and start reading through the book of John. It's a great book to start in. 
If you don't know where to start, you got cards on your seat. Let us know. We have, pro- we have processes. We would love to help you get to know your word. We would love to help you walk in this. But what I'm trying to say today is that we're singing, behold, glory in the highest. We're believing God for great miracles. And you've got to let God into a place that many of us have protected and stonewalled. We need a moment with God, and he wants to be with us in our moment. Every single person on this planet needs this. Every one of us needs this. Because in order for God to work through us, we've got to be broken. We've got to be broken down. We've got to be at a place where we don't have all the answers, but we know the God who does. And I promise you, on this Christmas Eve, you might have come just to hear a message and to sing some songs, but if you let God in, he will change your forever. It'll change your heart. It'll change your perspective. Because he wants that moment that he had with Mary and Joseph with you. You think, how could it be that intimate? I promise you, it, it is. It's every bit as intimate. I'm going to pray. For those of you who don't know Jesus, online or in the room, if you say, man, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him, I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads and would you just say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life. I believe that you are the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And today I surrender in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come forward. We're going to sing a chorus just as we leave. We have people on our prayer team. We believe here at Palms to pray for one another. The Bible says anoint with oil and just pray, whether you're by yourself or with your family. We're going to sing this chorus, and we're going to begin to celebrate together. And when we do that, I want you to sing with us. I want you to celebrate. I want to end this with a a, a celebration of who God is. That's what Palms means. We always have this passion of having a church that a tailgate party is the start of it, right? And then church breaks out. We want it to be a celebratory place. We want it to be a place where you want to come, where you, you know that God's hand is on us, that he's with us. But tonight, if you want prayer, your family, for you, I want you to come. We begin to sing. Just come up and find somebody. We're going to pray with you very quickly. And we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate. And we're going to believe God for what only God can do. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you want this time with all of us. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you give to us above and beyond anything we can think, ask, or imagine. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are in love with us. I thank you that your hand is on us. God, we just pray and ask right now for each and every person. God, we all know we need those moments and we just have to let you in. Let you into those places. Talk to you. Let you know where we're at. We know that prayer isn't for you. It's for us because you know everything there is to know. But God, it opens us up to what you're doing. It opens our heart to the new things. It opens our heart to even greater things. God, I thank you on Christmas Eve for all these families that have taken time and said, this is what's important. This is what matters. And his name is Jesus. And so God, we celebrate you. We lift our voices and we proclaim that you are the king. We proclaim that you are faithful. We proclaim that you are good. We ask you to do in us what only you can because we're so grateful for the son of God that you sent to die on the cross. God, we know that tonight we celebrate Easter. We know what's coming. Darkness knows what's coming. And we thank you for it. And we give you all that we are. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Hey, if you want to know more about Palms Church or just know what's going on or watch messages, you can go to palmschurchonline.com all the time. And today, if you want to partner with us in giving, you can go to palmschurchonline.com slash give to partner with us financially. We love you. We believe in you. And we are so grateful to have you a part of the family. See you soon.